0: Well, this is a bit like what John is experiencing. He is having a vision that the angel has revealed, that Jesus has revealed to him. But a lot of the... uh, the descriptions that he uses is coming out of imagery and symbolism from the Jewish roots, the Jewish traditions. Um, In other words, the Old Testament that we know today, in particular Daniel and Isaiah and Exodus. So this afternoon, I want us to to look at this chapter, this uh, chapter five in Revelation, where there's this big question who is worthy? Now, let me pray before I carry on. Jesus, I pray that you would open up these scriptures to us, Lord. Would we have eyes to see and ears to hear? Amen. So let me paint a picture of what is happening at this point. There's this one who sits on the throne, who in this particular bit is not actually named, but from previous verses, we can assume that this is the God, the creator of the world, the Lord Almighty. This is who John is seeing, seated on the throne. He's in this throne room, But it's not just for admiring and for praising, as we might think. But there's this instruction for action and production. There's work to be done in this vision. Let's have a look through from verse 1. It says, Then I saw in the right hand of him who is sat on the throne a scroll with writing on both sides and sealed with seven seals. The creator of the world has created a master plan to bring his creation back to him. He has made plans to restore the world from the destruction and toil it finds itself in. And he holds these plans for the rescue of the world from death and from the evil powers which are against his throne. He holds these plans in his right hands. And there are seven seals along it, which may seem like quite a lot, maybe a bit of an over-exaggeration, high security perhaps. Interestingly, uh, one of the symbolisms we can pick up on here is the number seven, which is uh, a symbol for... Complete wholeness, complete, like, uh, completeness. For example, uh, we know in Genesis there were, we hear the story of creation being made in seven days. It was finished, it was good on the seventh day, it was complete. So there's this sense that the time for God's complete justice and righteous judgment to come is in this moment of revealing and opening this scroll. Like a sealed envelope, it must be opened. And then it goes on, And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, Who is worthy to break open the seal and to open the scroll? There is a desperate desire to see what is in the scroll given by the one on the throne. The angels are anxious to know who will open it. John is anxious to see who's it going to be. It is of great importance. The rescue and the justice for the world is held in the unravelling of the scroll but this scroll can't just be opened by any messenger. When there is a letter that might arrive on your doorstep that looks all fancy and unopened and chunky, perhaps, with nice paper, but it's not written to you, you wouldn't dare open it. Gosh, imagine what might happen if you'd opened it and it wasn't addressed to you. you can th- Think of the consequences you might have to come up with. There must be someone who is worthy of opening. This scroll needs a worthy person. Someone who can action God's rescue plan for his creation. Without this, they are stuck in the destructive temptations of evil. But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside it. The trouble is that no one is exempt, none of us are exempt from succumbing to sinful behaviors. We have all at some point fallen short, contributed in some way or another to the destruction of the world. So, the task needs to be one who is greater than those forces of evil, who was never a contributor, one who understands the world but was never succumbed to the worldly ways. And at this point, it's good for us to remember gosh, we can't rescue ourselves. John, who is seeing this vision, he can't just step up there and take over. We may think we're good-willed or we do good things, which are to an extent good, but we all have imperfections. We all fall short from time to time. So the scene here, John says he wept and wept because no one was found who was worthy of, to open the scroll. You can hear the desperation in John's tone when finding that no one was worthy. Partly from an eagerness to find out what's inside, what's going on. Perhaps also he's weeping out of a sadness for the hopelessness of the world. If no one can fulfill this destiny that God has designed, is all hope lost? Is all hope lost in the world if the scroll cannot be opened? Are we desolate? Are we stuck in darkness? Then one of the elders said to me, don't weep, see the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and the seven seals. The elder comes to comfort. It's, there's also a prophecy being told here where there will be no more tears. He says, Wipe away those tears. Come on, be comforted. There is someone worthy. Notice as well, interestingly, it's a very sensory book revelation. The elder says, see, but this information that John receives is still hearing. He's hearing what the elder has said to him before he's turned and looked. So John is told of the hope, and he hears something which has annotations to the Old Testament scriptures. the the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the Root of David, these were notions towards a promised ruler, towards the one who would bring victory and triumph and justice to the nations. This is what these words are ringing in in his memory bank. The Root of David referring to that Davidic line of a king to come. The lion, the mightiest beast that no man would dare to fight. He's unstoppable. He is triumphant and mighty. This imagery is full of promise, of prophecies that have been told. Full of power and might and victory. Can you imagine what John's expectations are running around in his in his head of this mighty, victorious one who's come to reign and rule and bring justice. Can you imagine what, what it might sound like as well? Perhaps a, a roaring of a battle cry, thinking, yes, it's, it's won, it's done. Maybe clattering of swords to say that the, the battle is over, the victorious conquest has come, and then the thundering lions roar to say, it is done. But when he turns to look, what does he see? Then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain. His expectations were shattered, yet also brought to light. The one who is mighty and triumphant, who has been promised throughout the scriptures, is this precious, pure lamb. The one who has not been corrupt by the forces of sin and death. Because he is so pure, he is the one who was slain for the world For you and for me? Does this description begin to correlate with perhaps a man who walked on the earth, who was without sin, who died for the sins of the world? This is where John wants us to think. He wants us to be reminded that this is a revelation of who Jesus really was the fulfillment of scriptures and the one who brings God's plan into being. So, where does this mighty yet sacrificed lamb stand? Well, back to the vision, he stands in the center of the throne, encircled by these four living creatures and these elders. He's right at the center of the throne. But then, wasn't that where God, the creator, was sat as well? This is where it kind of jumps around a little bit. What's going on there? Is that perhaps some laying on of images that maybe they are two in one? They are all together Maybe it's showing that Jesus, that the slain lamb, also has the authority that God has when he brings this scroll. And this lamb has uh, seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into the earth. This again, this imagery is symbolic. The seven being wholeness, completeness. But horns as well were a sign of authority, of direction. And eyes were a sign of wisdom and prophecy. So John may well have seen this exact strange little lamb with kind of abnormal eyes and horns that we might might not normally see. But he might also be giving us an illustration that the lamb comes with authority. He comes to rule. And he has wisdom and insight into what these plans that God has in this scroll really mean. So he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sits on the throne. And when he had taken it, The four living creatures and the 24 elders, they fell down before the lamb. Can you imagine? No one was found worthy enough to take up this scroll. And yet, this little, humble, weak and feeble-looking lamb takes up the throne, takes up the scroll because he alone is worthy, and he alone is triumphant. This is a total mind shift to what our brains are trying to tell us. We think that something is small and and feeble, and yet what God is saying is that, no, it's so much bigger. It's so much bigger than that. It's humbling to think how often we might underestimate the power and the authority that Jesus has in bringing about this restoration of God's creation. When we look at the world and the desolation, the conflict, the destruction, the dishonesty, the disunity, do we see a hopeless world? Or do we believe in the saving power of Jesus, the triumphant lion and the slain lamb? Perhaps our prayers as we look out into the world, as we think desperately for the world, should reflect the power and the trust that we have in Jesus, who is the saviour of the world. As I come to close, let's just see the response that the elders and the creatures sing about as they see the lamb. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain and with your blood you purchased for God. Persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God. And they will reign on the earth. Let us remember that the one who has a rescue plan for his creation Has also given access to it through Jesus, who was destined through his family line, who loves enough to die as a sacrifice for all. The one who will come again. He's the lion and he's the lamb, the mighty and the sacrificed. So this is how we can look out onto the world. We can remember the power of Jesus, that he will come again. So let's not give up hope. Amen.